Blog Talk Radio. Monday, August 17th, 2015, and as always, I'm your host, John Hansen, and as we do each and every Monday at this same time over the same virtual airwaves of the Block Talk Radio Network, we bring to you Kelly Barner from Buyer's Meeting Point to talk about some of the interesting, I guess what you call events or news out of the world of procurement. When I talk about news, we're, we're talking about specific stories. And certainly today is going to be very interesting because the audio which Kelly is going to be sharing is from Acquire Procurement Services. Now, they're a consultancy based in Australia. They specialize in establishing and renegotiating contracts across sectors. And they have a video that's titled, Why Do We Treat Employees and Suppliers Differently? Now, that got my attention. So I'm sure it's going to be very, very interesting. Anyway, without delay, here's Kelly Barner. Thank you, John. I'm pleased to be back to share new audio and commentary. This week, our guest audio comes from Acquire Procurement Services, a consultancy based in Australia, specializing in establishing and renegotiating contracts across sectors. Their video is titled, Why Do We Treat Employees and Suppliers Differently?, and is available on their YouTube channel. In this audio, they draw a contrast between the information companies share with their employees and how they handle sharing with suppliers who might perform the same or similar functions on their behalf. Let's listen. Why do we treat suppliers and employees so differently? I'm sure if you're watching this, you've already come up with at least 10 different reasons. But are suppliers and employees really that different? We pay both of them money in return for things like their time, products, skills, or output. For most, we have a contract with them that governs how we all work together. And we need both of them to ensure our business is a success. So why do we treat them so differently? These days, forward-thinking companies share detailed and sensitive information with their staff and they embrace their staff as part of their company. Employees are seen as a key driver of a business success. But suppliers, on the other hand, and in the most part, are kept at a distance. Often, little information is shared with them. And sometimes, even the information that helped them do their job better for their customer is not provided willingly or in a timely fashion. Some might argue that this is because suppliers also work with competitors and you need to retain your company secrets to remain in business. But is this short-sighted? Employees these days switch companies all the time. So one can be certain that those company secrets are already being shared. The fact is, companies need both suppliers and employees equally to develop better products and services to remain in business. So just think about this. How well would your business perform if you treated your employees like the way you treat your suppliers? I think it's time to change. Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, once said, he employs people not so that he can tell them what to do, but for those employees to tell him how he can do things better. Now imagine the benefits to your company 
if you ask your suppliers to tell you how you can use their products or their service better instead of telling them. I'm thinking it's time we change our approach. By comparing the kind of relationships we have with our suppliers versus our employees, Acquire Procurement makes an interesting point about the need to become more collaborative with some of our suppliers. This is especially true given the increased percentage of corporate revenues being spent with suppliers. According to 2014 research by Proxima Group, in a trend they have labeled corporate virtualization, companies are spending an average of 70% of their revenue with suppliers. And not all of it is being spent on materials. As a result, we are outsourcing ever larger percentages of our revenue, even when we don't call it outsourcing. There are lots of different reasons to outsource. Third-party service providers may specialize in a given process or service, or they may be able to perform it more cost-effectively. Regardless of the reason, you are taking a function that used to be performed in-house with full communication and oversight and visibility and putting it on the other side of a wall, expecting it to flourish based on the capabilities of the service provider alone. The important thing to remember is that the supplier still needs information to ensure that what they provide continues to meet the granular or day-to-day -day needs of your organization. Acquire also made a valid point that if we think we are shielding our secrets or IP from the market by holding suppliers at an arm's length, we've missed the reality that greater employee turnover sends information out the front door just as rapidly as collaboration might allow it to leak out the back. In the book John and I worked on for the better part of this year, we dedicated an entire chapter to supply-based collaboration. One of the points we raised is that collaboration is not something that can be done in name only. You have to be collaborative in thought as well as in deed to reach the desired outcome. If you make the decision to outsource a process and performance is collaboration dependent, you and the supplier both have to put something meaningful on the line to get the job done. Collaboration and outsourcing don't always have to go hand in hand, but when they do, companies need to be open to the idea that the supplier may take a different approach than what they've done in the past, and they may need more information or a different kind of information in order to support that approach. Procurement should be open to the idea that suppliers will either recommend changes or find their own way to satisfy requirements. Kate Vitasic, the author of the Vested Outsourcing series of books, calls this the outsourcing paradox. It's the idea that we are outsourcing something because we've made the decision that a supplier can do it better, cheaper, or faster, and then we turn around and tell them what to do. If they are, if they are so unskilled that they need step-by-step -step instructions from us, then we have surely chosen the wrong supplier or the wrong category to outsource. I also addressed this idea in a recent article that ran on Design News, pointing out that even in the most collaborative relationships, the supplier is still not a friend. All interactions are still a business deal above all else. And if that means a supplier needs to push back a bit on our requirements or our process in order to preserve profit margins, we as procurement professionals need to be willing to listen and evaluate the information they're offering us. Which brings us back to what you might call the employee test, as suggested by Acquire Procurement in the audio we heard. If you are dealing with a supplier and have anything other than the most transactional relationship,
ask yourself, is this how I would handle this situation if the work were being done by an employee or a colleague? If the answer is no, you have some thinking to do. You've either hired the right employee or you haven't. And you've either selected the right supplier or you haven't. The whole reason for doing all of the vetting up front in either case is so that you can extract more value in the long run. Otherwise, you're just holding yourself back. Do you think you could pass the employee test with your outsourced or collaborative supply partners? What opportunities are being lost for the sake of keeping up a safety wall between you and them? If you have any thoughts or feedback about this episode, you can reach me directly on Twitter at Buyers Meet Point or on LinkedIn or by visiting BuyersMeetingPoint.com. Please also listen to some of my other Procurement Perspectives podcasts available here on Blog Talk Radio and SoundCloud.